Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is a conversation with Jacob Geller. So at the end of the year, the past few years, I've appeared on The MinMax Show to talk about some of my favorite video game soundtracks of the year. It's hosted by Ben Hansen, who's like the father or like overlord of MinMax. And uh, Kyle Hilliard usually appears on that as well. Um, and Jacob Geller, too. And so that's how I met Jacob. And I really like talking to Jacob. I uh, wanted to have him on this show to talk about his life and his video style because he's a YouTuber. He makes videos about the experience of certain games, um, sort of in a nutshell, but also other things as well. Uh, his videos are so well put together. They're so well scripted. And I, I really enjoy the journey that he takes me on as a viewer because it's obvious that that journey is important to him, like the journey that I have, right? So no music in this episode, although we do briefly mention the music from last year's Citizen Sleeper by Amos Roddy and also Immortality by Nanita Desai. Both of those soundtracks are highly recommended by Jacob and myself. So join us on Discord. That link is in the show notes to talk about this and other episodes. Find us on YouTube and also find Jacob on YouTube. And if you're able to support us financially on Patreon, that'd be awesome. Patreon.com slash level. All right. Well, here's Jacob. I'm Jacob Geller. I am a video essayist, I guess. I, I write and edit and produce long form uh video essays that are usually on video games but sometimes on other things um and those go on youtube and i'm also a cohort with minmax and i freelance as well uh i spend a lot of time just writing and talking about video games <laughs> yeah and you know a lot of the minmaxers are here where i live in minneapolis <laughs> or the twin cities but you are not do you want to talk about that a little i'm sure i'm in durham north carolina i interned at game informer that's kind of how i got to know uh, ben hansen and the the minnesota crew in general um but i am i am one of their uh foreign correspondents <laughs> that's fantastic i mean i guess north carolina compared to minnesota does seem rather foreign mostly because mm -hmm. i would imagine your temperature is above zero today that's one of the things it's above zero <laughs> we're still dealing with it like it's the yeah. you know middle of winter because we're very unprepared for the cold <laughs> <laughs> But also, I feel like that part of the country, you still have seasons, right? It's not like summer right now by any means. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. there's still there's still seasons. I mean, I yep. I loved when I was a kid, uh, there would be the the warning of snow about three times a year and then it would snow once a year. But they would cancel school for of all course. of the days because they knew that North Carolina has one snowplow to share. And so <laughs> no one could be on the road. One, just one dude out there for yeah. 48 hours or something. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, so you mentioned that you interned at Game Informer. So and I know that. Uh, you know, for instance, your your top 10 games of 2022, which I highly recommend. It's a fantastic video going through your 10 choices, which are great choices, too. Uh, Thank you. But in that video, um, oh, my God, I just lost my train of thought. What the hell? Uh, uh, I was interning at Game Informer. I know. Something related to that. Yeah, you were interning at Game Informer. Um, what did you mention in that video that made me think of it? We'll come back to it. Oh, that's what it was. It was that... You know, when you were a child, you talk about how Elden Ring is like the game that you kind of 
thought dreamt of when you were a child, like what what's possible in video games. Mm-hmm. And so I was really struck by that comment, even though I lost my train of thought with regards to it. But <laughs> but just because you know you you spent a lot of time. It sounds like when you were really young, thinking quite critically about games. Is that true? Yes, it's it's kind of like it's very easy in retrospect to trace a path to like where I am now in regards to games because my parents were not kind of big on games, didn't really have any like individual experience with them and just, you know, kind of knew knew the bad things and didn't want their kid watching TV all the time. Um, But they did like me uh, reading and thinking about things. And so I had a subscription to Game Informer before I had a video game console, you know, like (laughs) it was because I really liked games and that was a way that they could kind of like, you know, play into what I wanted my hobby to be without actually like enabling me to (laughs) some level. And so like I spent a lot of time just reading Game Informers and and other kind of like games writing things. I mean, I've talked about kind of like uh, forum threads on game facts that I found incredibly influential and I still think about sometimes. But it was like, you know, I I read about Shadow of the Colossus and was like, oh, my gosh, that sounds like an incredible experience and was kind of like thinking about what that game was for a long time before I played it. And I had wow. that experience with like a lot of things. And so now being someone who's kind of whose job is communicating the emotional experience of video games to other people. I feel like it's like I was training for that. You yeah. know, I was studying. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like that was your path. I mean, if I think about my path to where I'm sitting right now, it's all over the place, right? It's mm-hmm. which I think is normal too. I think uh maybe more so normal than than I mean, and sure, there are also I mean it's like I I have a sociology degree. I was like a research assistant for a while. Like I've done things that were okay. not about video games necessarily but yeah even even those things can be pretty easily channeled back into the stuff that i'm doing now yeah i mean what drew you to sociology what what was the fascination there for you i um i kind of i started as a as a like political science major or whatever just because you don't know a lot of topics going in and I didn't really want to be doing like a, a STEM field thing. Okay. Um, and I quickly found out that um, so people have different experiences. I felt like sociology was political science. If you acknowledge the existence of facts, um, <laughs> like <laughs> political science was kind of like, hmm, I don't know. Let's talk about all these different ideologies. How do we tell which one is real? And sociology was like, OK, we can see that when you do these things, this is the effect that they have, you know, mm-hmm. kind of using using data in a way that really appealed to me. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I've always had kind of a, a, a strong political justice slant of just like I want to be able to kind of have answers to the things that I am upset about mm-hmm. um, and sociology I found pretty rewarding in that um, but also it just like it it was really good training on how to take like science language and turn it into normal person language which is which is something that I still do a lot now yeah in what way do you do it now do you think I mean I 
I do a lot of research for for all of my videos, and there is a lot of just kind of like I want to read high level stuff, but I don't want my videos to have kind of like a college degree, you know, entry gate yeah. or whatever. And so, I mean, I have sitting next to me this huge, horrible biography of Reagan, which uh <laughs> It's the book is okay. Reading a 400 page book about Reagan is bad, but it's like I do that so that I can pull out, you know, like yeah. the the five things that are really interesting and related to a current topic and use that to paint a picture. And mm -hmm. I, I do think that uh, having having kind of a social sciences degree is good for just like learning how to read and pull out the parts that are relevant to what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It almost like it also kind of like teaches you to study. Right. It like mm -hmm. taught you how to research and study. I mean, which maybe you were already, you know, had an affinity for. But but yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I also just the kind of like the type of knowledge it is where it's like I've never been good at kind of math or hard sciences where it is like I've I've always been good at something that allows me to just like explain my thoughts out loud. And and so it's like when you're talking about like political theory, it's like, OK, I can tell you like what Gramsci thought and kind of walk through his train of thought. And it's like that makes sense to me much more than like, you know, kind of complicated formulas ever did. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the videos that I I do want to talk about games and we'll get there. Uh, but one of the videos that I ended up making it most of the way through it w there were many <laughs> let's just be yeah. clear <laughs> it's just like the one video i watched mm -hmm. um no uh the the one that um drew my attention right away is one where you were going through therapy apps mm -hmm. and you know this is uh something that i've dumped a ton of money into over the course of my adult life um i think probably start i mean i i I first experienced it when I was in my early 20s, but then I didn't really go back to it until uh, probably around the time I was 30. And then it's been a pretty consistent part of my life that I find very helpful, but also at times, depending on what phase of my life I was in, completely cost prohibitive. And, yeah. you know, that's something that you kind of were talking about. You're like, if I can get this through an app, then great, because it's way cheaper than through insurance because you're self-insured. So that just makes it yeah, that much that was, more I mean, outrageous. I, 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 this became my like full-time gig this year. And like, if, if universal health insurance was a thing, I would have started doing it full-time three years ago. <laughs> you know, it yeah. was like, it really, health insurance was like the thing. And so it, it, even, you know, long before that video came out, it was something I was kind of thinking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like tangential to actual medical care, right? Which is frustrating. It's like you mm -hmm. you still have these, even though I have insurance through my radio job, I still have to pay quite a bit just for the therapy part, right? So it's yeah. that's frustrating. But I love that you parsed through, you called it um, egregious self-help snake oil. <laughs> <laughs> I got the biggest kick out of that, but uh, yeah, I think that was that was the one where you could pay a premium subscription to the app for additional inspirational quotes. Yeah, it was like you want to see just a longer list of something that someone else Googled. Here you and go. the fact that they gave you a Margaret Thatcher quote 
and a Winston Churchill quote. Yeah, they were <laughs> they were really hitting their kind of detestable British politicians. Oh, amazing. But what made you want that's cuz I think therapy is becoming more normalized obviously uh for the better, which is great, but it still is a scary thing in some ways to talk about let alone, you know, go through what you spend a month with each app or with, with, Mm -hmm. I mean, and then to share that experience with others, that's, that's a very personal thing. So what made you decide to tackle that and turn it into a video? Yeah. I mean, you know, there was a, before, before I started doing any of the app stuff, I kind of had just like written down the the two games that I talk about in that video, which are Eliza and Unearth You, which are both kind of different levels of experimental, but like really interesting stories about automated therapy and whatever. And I just kind of thought those are interesting. There's a connection there. And then I like left it for a year. But I it was really the kind of like. I, you know, I had started therapy like I started therapy you know, at the beginning of this year or whatever. And I did not want to talk about automated therapy without having done the real deal. You know, I I (laughs) didn't I didn't want to just be kind of like projecting what I thought this was supposed to be onto it. But it is I mean, I I think (laughs) it's kind of an interesting I don't know if I would call it a generational divide, but it's like almost everyone I know talks about kind of in the abstract dealing with anxiety and or depression in a way that makes it feel almost not stigmatized. I mean, it's like there is there is this kind of the difference between what you would actually talk about with a therapist of like why I am feeling anxious, but just like the experience of having anxiety and having that affect your life is at this point just so ubiquitous that when I was making that, I I really did not feel like I was revealing so much about myself just because yeah. I was like, I yeah, I feel like if someone looked at me, they would guess that I had anxiety. Like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't like I didn't I didn't feel that I was uh, unveiling more of kind of my personal life than yeah. I already had just through like the other topics that I had talked about. Um mm-hmm. but it, at the same time, it is one of those, you know, like I've I've always kind of drawn a line between like i don't want to talk about just the the things that i do in my life that much but i do want to share the things that i'm feeling and most of most of my videos are like i had this emotional experience and now i'm gonna try to you know relate that to other things and so talking about the therapy apps really just felt like of a piece with that yeah i love that when you talk about games, how Mm -hmm. it's clear how they emotionally impact you. You know, it's not you just talking about what you loved about the mechanics or the visuals or whatever. It's like what you loved about the experience emotionally. And that is really powerful. Like, like, you know, the other thing, the other thing I like about your videos is that you talk to me. You don't talk to you guys and mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge radio no-no is to is to talk to the the group, right? You always talk to the individual on the radio. And so I and I feel that when you are are you know relaying these experiences, you're like 
please play Citizen Sleeper. Like, if there's uh-huh. anything <laughs> you do from this list, I want you to play this, you know? And I was like, damn, okay. <laughs> I will because you told that's, me to. Yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting. I've never I've never thought about it in exactly those terms before, but it you know, it makes and really like my my strategy has always been kind of like I need to be interested in what the video is in like like I don't one of my main kind of no-nos on YouTube is like you cannot know the answer when you see a video title or you see a video topic you know where it's like if i if i saw a video that was like you know what what makes mario's jump good even if the video was interesting i'd be like well i know what makes mario's jump good it feels (laughs) i I like hopping around you know and so like i am always trying to make videos that i would really want to click on like Mm -hmm. as jacob geller and so i feel like then because of that you know it's like i'm writing it to to an individual myself but i am glad that that <laughs> then kind of gets communicated outward where it's like yeah i'm not i'm not writing this for kind of youtube general interest i'm writing yeah. this because it's like a very specific uh mm-hmm. fixation that i have that i just need to get on paper yeah yeah so so let's talk about citizen sleeper a little bit because i have not played it and i have been listening to the soundtrack and it is of course phenomenal um mm-hmm. but uh you know I highly recommend people watch the video of your your top tens, but do you mind giving us a tiny crash course on what you loved so much about that game? That was not your number one game, by the way, but uh, mm-hmm. but uh, I this found that... This is kind that, of a year yeah. where the number one is pre-decided for yeah. everyone. No, and of course. The contest for <laughs> we're going to get to that one for sure, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, so, so Citizen Sleeper is um, one of these kind of recent crops of games where the main draw is really the writing, you know, and I feel like these have existed for a long time, but Disco Elysium was a big one of those for people where they kind of realized like, wow, a, a like truly well-written game can be as engaging as a really good counter mechanic. You know, like I will sit and read a book if the book is great. Um, And so Citizen (laughs) Sleeper has, has that level of like really evocative writing and stuff. But the interesting thing about it is in most of those games, it's hard to like there's not that much gaminess to them. You know, like in in Disco Elysium, you are largely having long conversations with people and those conversations are entertaining. And that's kind of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas in Citizen Sleeper, you are managing all these different kind of ways that you're uh being kind of oppressed by the system you know like you have you have money that is constantly not enough and you have hunger and you never have enough like enough money to buy food and you have a kind of like you're literally just running on kind of a battery that's meant to run out at some point. And so you have to keep replacing that battery and that's another thing just weighing on your mind. Yeah. And so the game is you know, very clearly about kind of the the horrors of modern capitalism. But it makes you like it kind of communicates that desperation really clearly through gameplay systems while still maintaining this very beautiful kind of 
uh, ethereal style of mm-hmm. writing. And so I found the the combination of those two things to be just kind of entrancing. Yeah, beautiful as well. Just beautiful art, fantastic mm-hmm. music. Um, the whole yeah, package. it's all it is all on board a fairly small space station, and it is one of those things where even though the game doesn't have traditional graphics and you don't like walk around the space station in 3d you just kind of feel by the end like i know this place you know i understand the different sectors of the space stations and like the different kinds of people who live in each place Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm, love that love that and then number one as you said it's just it was predetermined and yeah and i and i think of course we're talking about elden ring and i think um I'm still shocked that it didn't win soundtrack of the year. Like, and I don't tend to give a shit about the game awards. I mean, I find it interesting, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. oh, this is what this group of people thinks the best things of the year are. Uh, but I, I was really, really surprised by that. Not that the God of War Ragnarok music didn't deserve it because it's fantastic. I love Bear McCreary all day, but um, but I was really surprised by that. But but game wise. Uh, I mean, really, I'd never experienced anything like it before. Have have you were you a Souls person previously? No, I dabbled. I tried them, and they were way too hard for my brain to want to keep trying. <laughs> yeah, One of the things out. that I was really pleased about this year is I I played Elden Ring like I got it a little early and was playing it and thought, wow, this is great. Also, this feels very similar to the other souls games to me and so if you if you look at like the early conversation that kyle and i had on min max where we were talking about elden ring we were both kind of like i don't know if this is going to win you over if you weren't into the previous souls games and i have been just so glad to be wrong and i have so many friends i mean you and and ben and others who have never touched one of these before and then you know, got into Elden Ring and been like, this is the one that works. This Mm -hmm. one really clicks for me. Yeah, I think the fact that it's not on rails made a huge difference for me because I could run away and then Mm -hmm. grind and farm all the runes I wanted before I felt comfortable going back or not going back at all in some cases. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you're going to say like, nope, you can have that one. Yeah, I don't need to kill you. Exactly. I did get stuck at one point finally and, and I haven't gone back and I will, I'll go back, but um. I, I got stuck trying to get into the big um, citadel city area, um, but that's oh, neither yeah, here nor there's there. A, there's like a really tough boss yeah, outside the, of that, like yep. one of the horseback guys. Yep. Never, I've never been able to get past him, and I've tried all the tricks, but maybe not all the tricks, but uh, I tried a lot of tricks, and then I was like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it bummed me out because I really wanted to get into that city, you know. So I know I'll go back. But um, did you did you mess with the the multiplayer much? Were you trying mm-hmm. to like pull people into the world? I did not. Should I? Is that you should I try should. that? I mean, I, I look. I'm I'm a hardcore one of these players, and it's like there's no there's no false achievements. You know, it's yeah. like you use every single tool it gives you because it is assuming that you're going to be using all of those. And okay, so that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Working, working with other people is really fun in those games. And sometimes you do get someone who comes and just 
shoots a giant like death star beam at the boss and it just evaporates and it's like hey you know what <laughs> like i'll take it now i, I can open that my door. head against this guy for a week yeah i, I wanted that <laughs> yeah i mean just i i had the you know i think the same experience you were speaking of where you you think you've seen it all kind of in that game even knowing i had more to see but it was like I just, uh, I was always amazed when I realized that there was the underground or when I just stumbling across any of those things was, and it was just so breathtakingly beautiful and mm-hmm. um, real, you know, even though it's yeah. fantastical, it was still just such a real, just real emotion in, in the those games. Yeah, I mean, one of, one of the things that that series has always been so good at, at but the the scale that Elden Ring does it is is almost <laughs> unbelievable of kind of one of those like nothing is here because it just seemed like a good place to put some gameplay. Right. You know, it's like when right. you see some ruins, you can just kind of feel that there's like a hundred years of reasons why those ruins are there. Yeah. And the fact that they kind of keep that consistently true over just help freaking big that game is is really really impressive it's so impressive and and yeah i i just spent a lot of time in that game in whatever the second quarter not long after it came out and um the music boy that music was so moving i mean i'm so used to the soul's music as we were talking about with min max being you know just in your face during the boss fights right and it's amazing and i love all those soundtracks are so, so good. But the tender side of the Souls music mm-hmm. is what we got in Elden Yeah, Ring. there would always, every game, there would be like one or two tracks that were like, this is nice. This isn't yeah. just kind of like big horns scaring me while a boss yeah. charges at me. <laughs> yeah. And Elden Ring has a lot of those. You know, it's not just one or two. Like it, it has, it has several that you could imagine kind of casually listening to and mm-hmm. not uh just freaking out like you would if you were listening to the bloodborne soundtrack or something exactly exactly those are crazy um so when did you start we're gonna back it up a little bit when mm-hmm. did you um when you were an intern at game informer what kinds of things were your responsibilities then so so we were all all of the interns except Leo Vader, who's their one and only video intern, um, are are like news writing essentially. Okay. And so the the kind of job is basically you're going to write a bunch of little stories about, you know, Fortnite has added Darth Vader to the game or, uh, you know, Sonic yeah. announced that there's a new movie coming out or whatever you you write those. And those just kind of come across your desk all day. And then the self-motivated part of it is kind of in the middle of that. There is also an expectation that you'll be pitching features to the higher up editors. And uh, and then they'll give you the go ahead on some of them and then you can, you know, do those. Mm -hmm. And so like the 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 most valuable parts of the experience for me was kind of that that idea of pitching and figuring out what what do other people want to hear about you know what's 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 a clickable title how do i headline this thing so i can like i can write about the thing i want but convince other people that it's also what they want to hear about (laughs) um but ultimately that was still 
you know, if you look at my my output at Game Informer, it still kind of is like gaming's best foods. What are the tastiest <laughs> looking foods in video games? Which is like fun, but, you know, doesn't yes. doesn't require any kind of huge amount of research or effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, when did you start making videos uh, on YouTube about games? I I did it pretty soon after the internship ended i had i had written um just kind of blogs casually for for this podcast that i used to work with called cane and rinse uh and they had they had just a blog section and i said hey i'm writing would you like to put some of these up and it was you know totally totally free and whatever but it was it was fun for me to have like 15 people read something instead of three (laughs) um and and eventually i kind of this is this is actually it's fitting for this podcast more than video i was just so obsessed with having music accompanying my words you know like when i was writing blogs i always wanted to be like can you read this paragraph with like this song playing in the background (laughs) because it'll like communicate the vibe i'm going for yeah and so i like i did there were people doing the YouTube video essay thing already that I, you know, liked and admired. Um, but it was just this, you know, I wanted I wanted a little more discoverability, which YouTube offered, and I wanted to be able to uh, convey more uh, more feeling than just words were allowing me to. And video seemed like a a, a good way of doing that. Yeah. Uh, would you say that with regards to putting your videos together, you have just kind of figured it out on your own? You determined this is what I want these to look like and you just learned how to do it? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm totally, you know, self-taught in terms of like premiere and stuff. And mm-hmm. one of one of the things that I like about video editing is that no one can see how sloppy things are behind the scenes as long as it looks good like when it comes out and so i think there are there are probably a lot of things that i still do really inefficiently but like that doesn't matter you know if the video looks fine when it comes out that's that's good enough and um so i did i did totally kind of like b-roll edited videos for for a while and recently i have been kind of more and more filming myself talking in the videos which is as much as anything just because i'm talking about topics that are really hard to find constant b-roll for you know like it's hard to find 50 minutes of background footage for like therapy apps (laughs) it's just it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be very visually engaging yeah um but yeah, I've I have enjoyed kind of learning more about the the medium while already being like pretty deep in it. Yeah, yeah, that's weird, right? Is when you've watched thousands and thousands of hours of YouTube videos and then you have to make one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, let's let's put this together. And what I noticed that with the little rudimentary videos that we put up for for our because po- you know this is our secondary hustle, I would say if I were to call it a hustle, which it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it, it's like so. Ti- I mean, the audio podcast is time consuming enough because, of course, I'm mixing in music and I'm doing an edit and all those things take quite a bit of time, but. 
the video can take as long with no edits sometimes. <laughs> Not right. no edits, but you know what I mean? It's just tremendously time-consuming. So mm-hmm. uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Like, how how do you spread yourself out? Because you mentioned in one of your videos, you're, you know, you don't sit and traditionally game for a 12-hour session without stopping. So how do you how do you do your videos then? Yeah, I mean, so I... I am very I mean I am I am lucky for this thing that I'm stumbled that've stumbled into to kind of be uh whatever the opposite of a procrastinator is in that like <laughs> my my particular brand of anxiety like really makes me very productive and okay. so like <laughs> I am I am pretty good at sitting down and being like I need to have a script, you know, like I'm I am just going to kind of sit and type this out mm-hmm. or whatever. Um I and and I do work pretty much in order, though usually it's like I'm actively working on one video and doing research for the next one. So I might be like reading a book or playing a game that I know I want to talk about in three months while making the video that'll come out in two months. Mm-hmm. Um I a, a part of my process that I do think is fairly unique and and I really enjoy is the order is I write the script and then I figure out all the music and then I record the voiceover while listening to the music that will be like done in those sections and then I edit the visuals in so oh, it's wow. like I, I I know that you know music typically kind of comes last in the process for yeah. a lot of people but it's like that's it informs my my vocal delivery a lot and it also mm-hmm. informs just like the rhythms of video editing and so it's like that's kind of the the first thing that goes in wow so you're listening to the music while you're recording your vo yeah not always not if if yeah. you can see me on camera usually sure. i'm not yeah. but if i am just you know kind of like sitting here doing kind mm-hmm. of a voiceover i i really like i want to have that because it was just I mean, it goes back to like the very first video I made where I just like I just hated how I sounded every time. It was ever everyone has to learn to tolerate their own voice on microphone. (laughs) But it was like the one time that I liked it was when I had the music under it. And it was just kind of like, oh, okay, this I can this I can do because the music is giving me an energy that I can match. And that was really important. Yeah, yeah. It's like the music is just as much a part of the emotional experience that you've had with this game or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so, I mean, the the editing, <laughs> editing does take a long time. You know, in terms of hours, it's probably the most, uh, the most time consuming. But also, it's kind of like, you know, uh, writing is an art in that you kind of can't sit down and just force yourself to do it for like six hours. <laughs> Editing is like, is like chopping down a tree, you know, it's like, you just, you know what you have to do and you just yep. have to like do it until the tree falls over. Yeah. And so sometimes <laughs> because, because the rest of my job is, is a lot of kind of like figuring out what to say in a way that's really mm-hmm. hard to like push through. I kind of enjoy how just like it is very clear what needs to happen with editing from the beginning to the end. Yeah, yeah, I do. One of the other things I do, um, I 
put together a radio show uh, that I don't host. And so, Mm -hmm. and it has to be 28 minutes and 30 seconds every week. Mm. And so it's like, it's a pre-planned puzzle, right? That I have to make everything fit in with like theme songs and opening quotes and host intros and host banter and all these things. And, and it's like, and I love editing audio. I can can and often do do it all day every day like edit 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 I think it's really fun and this is like a much different kind of fun you know what I mean it's mm-hmm. like it just exercises a different part of my editing brain yeah. compared to the podcast where obviously this is as long as we make it in in yes. many ways so um uh yeah it's it's interesting because video ends up kind of being that way too in my head in some way. It's like this big puzzle that I'm putting it together that I don't feel that way about the audio podcast itself for some yeah, reason. I, there's something about kind of looking at like a blank video timeline and just being like, eventually <laughs> that's all going to be filled in with something, yeah. you know, and, and, and you're kind of like building the wall yeah. of of like different parts of it. I mean, I, I would say, you know, just on the, on the topic of kind of editing radio shows and whatever, like one of my biggest kind of tone inspirations is stuff like This American Life and Snap oh, yeah. Judgment that like, yeah. you know, I, I feel like is maybe a way that I am like more like my parents where I talk to, you know, people my own age and I'm like, you don't listen to This American Life? And <laughs> you like, not? that sounds like a show for 80 year olds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the kind of like, I, I do think even though my videos are, you know, I decide the length and they have been trending upwards. Like, I I am not a, like, three-hour video person, which some kind of gaming videos on YouTube go towards. And I yes. do think about pacing a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And so the kind of, like, those, those storytelling shows where they're, like, we're not necessarily trying to, you know, we're not teaching you about something that you didn't know necessarily. We just want you to be engaged throughout this whole like mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. is is something that I'm always kind of trying to emulate. And that 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 thing of like when you get home and this American life is still playing. And so you sit in your driveway for like 10 minutes and listen to it. You know, it's like, that's yep. the goal. That's what you want people to be doing. Yep. The driveway moment. That's what we call them in public radio is a driveway moment. And, you know, I probably absorbed a lot through that kind of listening as well. Um, also Prairie Home Companion, even though I have different opinions about that show now than I used to, uh-huh. but it's, it's like, you know, shows that used audio as part of, you know, they're using audio elements in addition, right? There's Foley mm-hmm. added and there's, you know, it's useful to tell the story. And um, yeah, and just, I mean, just that kind of just storytelling is mm-hmm. so I think is is it's distinct from being informative and yeah. it's distinct from being just kind of like a fun hangout sesh. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it is this this very challenging third thing that yep. you're <laughs> trying to get to <laughs> very much. Uh, so I felt very lucky uh, when we spoke a few weeks ago with Ben Hansen and, and the MinMax crew, of which you're a part, um, 
to get to see one of your cats. At one point, you got up and went and got a drink of water or something like that, and one of your cats made an appearance, and I was like uh-huh. dying as Ben was continuing saying whatever he was saying. Uh, and then right before we started, uh, I got to see one of your little girl kitties as well. But will you please tell us about your pets? Yeah, so so this is it is an important note that I want to make is uh, I am not technically the pet's father. I, I <laughs> with with um, with my roommate Caroline, okay. um, who has two cats named uh, Miel and Paloma. Um, but as sometimes happens, um, Miel has uh, decided that I am her father and does not like my roommate and only <laughs> likes me, which is. Uh, true, a, a, a cruel choice that only a cat could make. Right. Um, and so uh. Miel does spend a lot of time in my office. Um, and then I have a dog that I've uh, that is is mine and I've had for, you know, going on seven years at this point named Tori. OK, tell us a little bit more about Tori, though. What's Tori look like? Uh, Tori is she's she's like a kind of an Australian cattle dog, shepherds, mutt, you know, like a low to the ground herding dog. Um, She's very, uh, you know, kind of, she has that herding instinct where she (laughs) just really wants everything to be in order. And like, if something is, is out of place, she'll notice and she'll kind of be concerned about it and whatever. (laughs) Um, But has, I I am very grateful she's chilled out over the years, so she's no longer the kind of, like, nuclear reactor that those breeds are when they're puppies. Yeah, you need to take Um, them out to run 17 times a day or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, No, she's great. I had, actually, a a, a video that I made a long time ago uh, about The Last Guardian um, where I was, it's, you know, the, the last guardian is a game that you play and think about your own pets. Like that is just <laughs> the kind of the point of yes. that game. Yes. Um, and, and Tori definitely, you know, when she was a puppy, she had some real kind of food aggression issues that we worked through and whatever. And so whenever, whenever I see any media about kind of a, a lovable, but unruly animal, yeah. I'm like, that's it. I know I'm there. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, what uh, videos do you have coming up, Jacob, that you want to talk about? Or do you no, want to keep no, them all this secret? Is, I can, I'm fine. I can drop okay. drop a, a sclusi on, on this <laughs> podcast. So the reason the reason that I've been reading this, this big Ronald Reagan book and also behind me, you can see the full box set of Akira is uh, <laughs> I... I have been thinking about the the concept of orbital lasers of of kind of like, you know, the the sci fi weapon that uh, during the Cold War, America was like, we're going to make this real. Um, And and the various the various ways it's existed. I just think I think it's very interesting that there is something that has never existed that all of us are just kind of like, oh, yeah, we know what that is. Like when you're watching an anime and there's like a big space laser, yeah. like we're not confused. We're like, yeah, yeah we understand that. Yeah. Um, and so that's in the works. And I am also um, excited to be restarting soon a podcast that I do with my friend called uh, named Blake Hester. And the podcast is called Something Rotten, and it is about the kind of... Uh, violent nihilistic game era from like i don't know 2005 to 2012 which was uh you know 
kind of a real a real kind of like gross boys period for video games where you had a lot of these just like grungy Xbox 360 games that seem to really relish in not being anything except violent and gross. But like in <laughs> retrospect, uh, that's a very interesting uh, period to talk about. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can't I can't say what we'll be doing uh, yet, but that show is coming yeah. out soon like at the beginning of cool. 2023 and i'm very excited about it yeah something rotten is what it's something called. rotten something you, rotten. you'll be able to get it i mean you can already there are two seasons out already and so you okay. can find it wherever you find your podcasts do you do your youtube videos in seasons or do you just re- release them as you they're want? they are basically monthly yeah um sometimes they're two a month if if uh, i'm real motivated but they just mm-hmm. you know more or less one a month just come out Mm-hmm. And how much do you do with the MinMax stuff? Are you are you you're on the MinMax show? I'm on the show. I'm a yeah. I'm a I'm a cohort. So I'm not yep. or or I'm a contributor. I can't remember how <laughs> which which one of his things. Yeah. But um yeah. I mean I would say I'm probably on you know two of their four podcasts a month okay. generally, and mm-hmm. then hop into streams and other things when uh. Yeah. When they want me or when I think it sounds fun. So are you excited for anything in 2023 that would surprise us? Because, of course, mm. there are many things, <clears throat> pardon me, that we're all excited for next year. But right. Is there That's anything like, uh, you know, the, the new Zelda, the new et cetera. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a great question. I, I am like, as time has gone on, I enjoy so much having never heard of a thing and then it becoming my favorite thing. I don't know if if you were a part of or if you listened to the episodes of MinMax where we were talking about the um the the Indian movie Triple R that came out this I year RRR yeah. that's like this this unbelievable uh kind of like spectacle action movie that's now just like you know one of my favorite theater going experiences ever and it's like <laughs> never in my life had I heard anyone say anything about that movie before yeah. it came out and so i am just kind of excited for for more of those to yeah. to like be completely blindsided by something my friend sam is playing mass effect for the very first time and i'm so mm-hmm. jealous because i wish i could play mass effect for the first time again you know and just experience that but i didn't expect yeah <laughs> it's always you always try to live vicariously through your friends who yeah. it's like i've i've convinced three people to play disco elysium and every time they do i'm just like tell me everything that's happening in your reactions <laughs> so, so i can like have that experience again uh other than citizen sleeper what do you uh what are kind of your takeaways of 2022 and you know you said you'd fight anybody who said it was a bad year for games which is true of course that'd be a ridiculous thing for anybody to say but you know what yeah no i think it was a really interesting year and resulted in a lot of good good kind of end of year lists yeah because there were so few kind of big agreeable triple a games that people kind of had to get into the nitty-gritty and so it's like there there are always tons of good indie games that come out this year but i feel like there are in previous years there have been so many just kind of default triple a games where it's like this has a high enough level of production quality that it's going on the list and no one really needs to talk about it 
that mm-hmm. much. Yeah. But this year really did not have many of those. And so you get, you know, much more interesting choices like Norco mm-hmm. or Citizen Sleeper Immortality, Immortality ranking really high up on these lists because gaming outlets don't have those default options that they go back to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Immortality, um, I have not played. Uh, Netflix, I think you can play it on Netflix, right? If you have your Netflix account. Well, you can, yeah, you can You can play it on your phone uh, as long as you have like a Netflix sign-in. Yep, yep. And Immortality, we had Nanita Desai on the show talking about the amazing music. She's such a phenomenal composer, generally speaking, but her music for Immortality is so amazing because she had to score three different movies right Mm -hmm. so just such a cool story just about the soundtrack let alone the game itself which um you know you you said might be the most mature game ever made which i thought was a really interesting comment if you think about it you know it's like wow yeah this is really deep into unpacking the story here Mm -hmm. that yeah yeah, one of those just kind of like you know, we we all know that there are kind of books that are maybe too challenging for us or whatever of like, oh, I need to talk to a smart person about that. But in games, the only way that that gets talked about is usually just they are literally too hard. Like, I can't get past the big guy in Elden Ring. <laughs> and and so it's <laughs> like it's I think it's just really cool to have a game like Immortality that it's like the hard part isn't beating it. The hard part is kind of like understanding it in the same way that it is hard to understand, you know, many, many books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. It really was an interesting year. Uh, Of course, when this goes up, it will be 2023. So we have a lot of amazing things to to experience in 2023 as well. But um, but yeah, is there anything else you want to mention that or talk about? I mean, tell people how to find you and where to find you. Yeah, if, if if you if you type in Jacob Geller, I'll pop up. My my main thing is is the YouTube channel. Um, so Jacob Geller on YouTube. I've made I have made a video about Immortality's music, but in a very different way than you uh, <laughs> interviewed the composer about Immortality's music. So I would recommend that one to the uh, to the listeners of this show. Um, and yeah, I I don't really want to. I don't know what's going on with Twitter. You don't have to follow me on Twitter, but listen to <laughs> MinMax and um, and and follow Jacob Geller on YouTube. Those are my big things. Awesome, Jacob. Thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure chatting with I you. Was, and it was truly my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Jake McGeller and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of Jacob and I chatting, Jacob and me chatting, on the Level with Emily YouTube channel. And please do subscribe to that YouTube channel so you get all of our new videos. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hi. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com. Made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.